if it doesn't get you excited, if it's not a thing you love, just find a different way. Like build those dots in whatever way feels good and fun to you. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, we're chatting to Jeff George, freelance strategist from the Courage Lab on how to use reading to power your planning. Now, Jeff and I worked together at Ogilvy a few years ago, and I remember specifically him using a book called The Culture Code to help inspire POV that he developed for a pitch that we had um, for Destination Canada. And at the time, I remember being really inspired by this because I think oftentimes we as planners are told, you know, there's certain books that we're meant to read to understand the craft of planning, to understand uh, consumer behavior, psychology, etc. And many of them can be quite theoretical and, and dense. But this was the first time that I actually saw a strategist leverage some learning and applying it to their work. So I wanted to have Jeff come on the show and tell us more about that. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Terrific if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and then tell us a bit about why you think reading is so important and share your top tips on how we can read more and apply all those learnings to what we do. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me today. It's always nice to have a chance to chat with you. I got my first job in advertising about 25 years ago as an account coordinator. Shortly after that, I enrolled in CAP. Um, and one of my instructors there was a planner. And that's where I learned that planning even existed. And I realized, oh, there's people who do strategy work all day, every day. And that's what I wanted to do. At the time, there weren't very many planners in Canada and certainly not outside of Toronto. I was working on the East Coast at the time. So the way that I was able to learn about planning was through books. So I started to read everything I could get my hands on about planning and planners. And then over time, I started to supplement that foundation of, of knowledge and learning with mentorships and relationships with planners that I was to, able to make connections with. And then ultimately, I moved to Miami for some formal training and I studied at Miami Ad School. So that all helped set me up really well for working as a planner. About 10 years ago, I just finished opening a coffee shop in Bistro. So I was asked to lead a session at planningness about entrepreneurship through the eyes of a planner. And they asked me to call the workshop how to be courageous. And I was terrified because I was sort of like, I am not an expert in that. I don't know anything about it. So I started to just dive in and immerse myself in the topic of courage. And in that process, I became so fascinated with the topic of courage and what we know about it and what we don't know about it, that I ended up starting a company called The Courage Lab. So for the past 10 years through The Courage Lab, I've been fortunate to be able to enjoy this nice diverse mix of work, which is, includes some traditional brand strategy work, some projects that are more specific to courage. So what it is, how to find it, how to leverage it. And also some more or some, yeah, some more hands on innovation and entrepreneurial projects. So more courage and practice type uh, initiatives in the product and project development uh, realm. Um, so, for example, I've done some some work on uh, edible crickets, uh, scent reduction pro pro project or product, uh, food research hub a bicycle commuting product line, um, and then some design and rebuild of a couple of houses. 
And reading has played a big role in a lot of that work. Wow, cool. So a very uh, varied career. And so so tell me about kind of your, your love of reading and how you've applied uh, some of that to your work. I mean, have you always been a big reader? Do you read mostly kind of nonfiction or do you read fiction as well? Yeah, it's quite funny. I as as a kid, um, I hated reading <laughs> with a passion. Like, I, yeah, I couldn't um, I couldn't imagine sitting still and reading a book instead of going out and doing something. And I have two younger brothers. They were the same. We all just kind of liked going out and doing stuff. Our parents are both huge readers, but it, we just didn't get into it at all. And then when I was about, I don't know, sometime in my early teens, um, I hated um, scary stuff. Like I, watching a scary movie, I'm the guy who covers my eyes uh, during the scary scenes. But for whatever reason, I started reading Stephen King uh, and couldn't get enough of it. That was the only thing I would read for probably about 10 years. And then... As I got older, I just started to use uh, reading as a way of feeding my curiosity. And I'm not sure exactly what flipped, but all of a sudden I started reading and it was a combination of both nonfiction and fiction. And I kind of go in waves now. So sometimes I'm very focused on nonfiction and then other times I'll go through waves of jump in on some fiction and, and more recently i haven't been reading that much fiction it's both mostly been non-fiction yeah okay cool so so i mean you you talk us through this i know that you're, you're well prepared and you're gonna <laughs> talk to us about um the the power of reading and planning yeah well if so um we're gonna talk about five uh things to read for today um but if i could maybe just paint a bit of a visual picture for people in in your minds to start um, this is you're probably familiar with the idea of a t-shaped person so broad understanding of a bunch of things and then deep on the thing that you're supposed to be an expert in or have an expert expertise in and I think reading can can be used in a planning context to to form a T or a variation of a T. Um, so, so I, and I, I would call this maybe a root system uh, version of a T. So we have breadth, read a bunch of stuff. We have depth, understand some things deeply. And then every once in a while, we have another thing we need to, to understand more deeply as well. So, excuse me, you start creating these little, uh, little depth places along your top portion of your T, if that makes sense. And then the, the question for yourself becomes, where, where are you going to go broad and where, where do you need to go deep? One way to answer that for yourself is by thinking about what we'll call the five Ds. So the five Ds are read for desire, dots, depth, dimension, and descent. So if we want to jump into the, the first of the five Ds to read for... The first one um, is read for desire. So back to your question earlier, if I like always like reading or not reading, if, if you if you like reading, use it as a tool. If you don't read, I think don't bother to force it. Find another way to gather inputs and knowledge. So I, I, I'm not an advocate of or an evangelist for you must read. I think the idea is if you have curiosity and like to read, and that's a way to 
to create dot, uh, dots for yourself, which we'll talk about later, then read away. And if you don't like reading, then then don't read. Just find a different thing that to, to sort of fuel your mind with. But actually, that it, that's really interesting because um, in terms of like, if you don't really like reading, then find another way to get the information. Because I really like reading, but I find that uh, especially lately, or the last few years, I find it really hard not to jump around when I'm reading, like to actually have the patience. And obviously, because we're all on our devices and everything, I just, I find it hard to sometimes have the patience. But one way that I've found, and, and maybe you can relate to this or others can, that I've found um, really enjoyable, and I remember, like, I, it sticks in my head longer, um, is podcasts. Um, and I know like a lot of these books, um, they'll, you know, different people will interview the authors or, you know, even you'll get like a quick summary of the book on a podcast or something like that. Is, is that something that you've done at all or? Yeah, every once in a while, that's a nice, nice way. Like there's all kinds of nice little cheats. It's uh, uh, Ted or Ted style talks that most auth authors who have nonfiction books that great uh, gain some kind of popularity end up with some version of a 15 minute uh, presentation on the key points on the thing. So that's certainly a way. Um, podcasts have not been a thing that I have tended to gravitate toward, but I think they are something that lots of people gravitate toward. And it's, it's another great way to, to build that input and data set for yourself. I think on, on your note too, though, Michelle, of, um, of like not wanting, not, not being able to focus in or maintain your attention or, or whatever the issue might be. Another point that I have under this notion of read for desire is don't be afraid to quit a book that you're reading before you're finished. Like if it's, if it doesn't grab you, walk away. And I think we have this tendency to feel like we're, well, I've started it. Now I, I need to maintain this commitment and, uh, and like struggle my way through it, even if I'm not enjoying it. Um, so I, I read this book um, earlier this year uh, by Annie Duke called Quit. And Annie Duke is a, f a former pro uh, poker player. Um, and she sort of talks about the importance of quitting. When it comes to gambling, pros usually fold and amateurs usually hold. So after the first two cards are dealt in Texas Hold'em, Amateurs stick more than half the time. They're more likely to play than to fold. And pros, conversely, play only 15 to 25% of the time. So they're way more likely to quit than they are to continue. Um, if you, if you kind of st stick with a thing that you're not enjoying, I think it's, it's useful to consider that there's an opportunity cost to that. There's so many ways you can be fueling your mind why waste time on a thing that you're not actually enjoying or getting something out of? Was that her main point then of that book? I guess that's what you got out of it. It sounds like it was. It's uh, yeah. Don't don't stay in when you have a hand that you don't believe in. No, no when to fold and no when to stick. It's also this kind of odd, fascinating tension because some of what we're going to talk about today is is the idea of reading broadly and you, you never know where there's something really going interesting that's going to pop up. So there's this, this balance between staying open and 
and not knowing or being open to the idea of serendipitous arrival of some great nugget versus, okay, this isn't doing it for, for me. I fold, move to the next hand. Yeah. But where do you get your um, book, like kind of like recos from? Do you, are you using like Goodreads or do you just kind of hear about books from people or where do you get that? Um, I tend to often just stumble upon them. Uh, sometimes it's through conversations with, with friends. Uh, sometimes it's by being in a bookstore or a library and there's a thing that looks interesting and then you read the back of it and go, oh, this is a thing that I want to read. And then every once in a while, often I'll, but like on a weekend, I'll t take a skim through the New York Times, what to read this week uh, and f find a couple of new things there. So I know you'd organize this, I think, as, a, as the five D's. What, what's your what's your kind of second D there? OK, so second thing, read for dots. And this is probably the most important one. Um, so if you think about that T that we talked about, this is the this is the top of the T, the horizontal line. Know a whole bunch of stuff about, or know a little bit of stuff about a whole bunch of stuff. And if we're in the business of making connections, um, then the more dots we have, the more connections we can make. And I, I think sometimes about um, a CSO who I was t talking to years ago and about their the way they hire people. And they said, I would rather hire planners who've lived a life than who've lived a life of planning. And that little line has always stuck with me. It's interesting how, oh, breadth of experience and understanding and data or data points, dots, um, is helpful and useful. It brings different perspectives. Um, so reading broadly like that, uh, with a you never know perspective um, builds dots, a network of dots. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know, you know, you kind of sent me some notes um, before this uh, recording. Um, I've read some of these books you've listed here, but I just even came across like Grimm's fairy tales. It's funny that you referenced hmm. this here, but what, what, what have you taken away from that book in terms of a broad knowledge? Yeah, that's, um, that's one of the books that I, um, or I have a book of Grimm's fairy tales at the moment that I just pick up every once in a while and I'll, I'll read one. And I often just open it up to whatever page randomly and, and read a fairy tale. Mm. Um, and it's, I mean, there's an, a few things that jump out at me about that, but certainly the, the notion of storytelling is comes through loudly and clearly in, in those fairy tales. I mean, they've, they've lasted for generation upon generation. Uh, they appeal and deliver a message, different kind of message to different people in different age groups. And none of them are on the nose. Everything's really parable-ish or fairy tale-ish as the name implies. Um, but they're, they're not literal. Uh, they're just really great stories with morals that if you spend time letting them sink in, they, they have a really powerful, impactful message. Yeah. 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 That's super interesting. And what about some of these, these other ones you've, you've written down, like rights of life and, and the good life? Like, do these, you feel like just kind of give you a good sense of 
what makes people tick and, and, and that sort of thing or. They do. Um, the good life is that's a more recent book, um, published, um, it's, it's, it's findings from, um, the Harvard study of adult development. So that's a study that's gone on for about 80 or so years around, um, what makes people happy or feel fulfilled. And not surprisingly, the great takeaway from all of that data is people are happy when they're connected to other humans and have strong relationships. So it's an interesting, interesting presentation of a really robust study that leads us to a not too surprising conclusion, but, but really nice meaty science behind it. That serves a really good jumping off point for um, client type problems and presentations too. That is a good reminder of what's in, what's important in life and fulfillment. If that's what we're trying to quote unquote sell in some regard for for various clients. Have you have you used that in your work? It seems like that would be super useful, actually. I used it with uh, with a with an FI not that long ago and looking at the fi landscape it's it jumps out really clearly that the majority of that category talks about the importance of saving of being rich of how how you various articulations of how you spend your money um and whether that's investing it or buying a property or whatever it's the notion of spending um, your money. And the, the flip side of that, uh, from my perspective and in a planning perspective is what if we instead look at, um, what, a what is a life well spent based on the data? Is it about spending money or is it about spending life well? And if that's the cultural starting point or the human foundation, how does an FI brand with FI products tap back into it in a meaningful way. Interesting. Well, that's, that sounds like a very useful read then. All right. So we've got what we've talked so far about um, desire and dots. Well, what else have you, what else have you got for us? The next one is depth. So this is about that vertical portion of the T uh, and it's where pl planners can build deep knowledge and expertise in their craft or their area of expertise. So this is about, understanding deeply brands, strategy, human behavior, all of those types of things that we're supposed to know and live when we walk into a, into a meeting. So there, there are things like, and I know you've talked about these on your podcasts as, as well as just in day-to-day -day life, uh, Michelle, like things like By Byron Spar Spar Sharp, Jim Stengel, Benet and Field, Kahneman, like all those things. Um, and then there are other uh, not specific planning books, but behavioral books like the culture code that you mentioned earlier. Um, there's Jungian um, psychology writing that we can use and apply and learn from, uh, like archetypes, for example. Um, a couple of other books in this sphere that in, in terms of broad scale cultural subconscious mindsets um uh, books that i like in that realm are the righteous mind which is jonathan Haidt, and Pol the Pol political mind by george lakoff and they have a 
they're, they're, those are similar books, uh, similar perspectives, but really interesting in helping inform this is a mindset for a specific group of people. And that's the jumping off point that you can use and leverage in your work. Yeah. How do you find time to read all these books? Are you <laughs> <laughs> um, like you just and and don't you ever find them like honestly like a, a bit dry or do do you then just like if you're like back to your first thing if you're not enjoying it then you just move on? Yeah, exactly. Or you'll skim for a while and then see if see if something lights up again later. Um, I yeah, and I certainly don't mean to suggest that I've read all these books in the last last few weeks or last year this has been kind of a lifetime of reading so um i guess the longer you live the more uh the, the higher your your pile of books read becomes yeah okay got it um okay so desire dots depth what's next you got two more d's now, the next one is uh read for dimension um and this is about details or project or client or category specific reading to understand the specific situation you're going into better. So if we go back to that T framework again, or the idea of a root system, um, okay, now I'm, I'm focused on um, a obesity project. So we got to go deep on obesity. So what do we read about? Uh, well, specific reports on obesity, a breadth of food books, probably some books on poverty and inequality and other drivers that live in and around that notion of obesity. I mean, and this is really interesting, too, because I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about like keyboard warriors or desktop planners or whatever. I think our, our natural intuition is is to go online right away. And maybe that can give you some superficial information about whatever you're uh, researching or, you know, whatever category your client is in. But I think we often forget about books and how much richness there is in them. Yeah, I agree. And there's, I mean, if, if you think about this from a pure uh, laziness or efficiency standpoint, th there is often work that's been done already that will give you a jump start. So we worked on this organ donation project a number of years ago and and then i i found this very academic um science-based book called understanding organ donation <laughs> it's like i i still have this book and it looks ridiculous it's like a textbook in in our uh little library area um but it is deep understanding of various elements of organ donation so that gave us a great jumping off point to look at some things that were already known in that space then we've formed some of our own hypotheses based on some other research we'd seen and read some other books we looked at commissioned a study to validate some of our hypotheses and then jumped in from there. But it, it started with this book from work that had already been done by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of, I mean, if you can find these sources, whether they be books or podcasts or whatever, maybe that can give you that jump start. I mean, that's oftentimes what, what we need because we don't really have very much time to get up to speed and become experts in an area. So that's great. Yeah, and it's one of the things I love about this too is um, a lot of these 
sort of dimensional um, uh, inputs end up becoming dots for the future uh, down the line. So for, so for other projects down the line. So for example, uh, I was reading a bunch of stuff on construction and building over the last few years, uh, what, what projects look like in that sphere, et cetera. And then it re reminded me of some things that I had read in the food and chef world in some work that I'd done on another project a few years earlier. And then I also was reading uh, or had read a couple of years prior to that a book called Winning on Purpose, which is uh, Fred Reichelt's most recent book. He's the net promoter score guy. Um, and all of those things sort of connected together to create this nice frame framework in the in the construct of construction. So it's like we have construction stuff. We have food stuff. We have businessy net promoter score stuff and they all kind of come together uh because they're all sitting in in the back of the mind as as useful dots for connection yeah yeah that's really interesting i mean it makes me think of a couple things well one i'm curious do you write stuff down after you read books or while because i maybe my memory is just like a sieve but i don't always remember stuff and then secondly i think i feel like i've read somewhere heard somewhere before it's really interesting, I think, how our brain makes these random connections, because it almost, to some degree, doesn't really matter what you read. It's not so much the content, because the most random thing can inspire you. And it's and it goes back to, I mean, obviously, what we do for a living in terms of connecting the dots. Um, do, you, do you have any, well, first of all, I'm, I'm curious on the first thing. Do you write stuff down, or how do you remember what what's in a book, or what inspires you? I I do. Um, I often, and I'm, I'm actually trying to um, get better at not doing this as much, but I, t I tend to make notes in the book along the way or underline stuff so that it's easy to find later. And I think there's a lot to be said for, and as you were just saying, for just letting it sit. And uh, if, if it's memorable, it will be, mem it will be remembered. Um, but historically I've tended to make notes and underline stuff in books along the way. Sometimes, um, I make notes in my notebook, which I may or may not be able to reference a few years down the line if it's in an old notebook. And it, in the past, at one point I used to actually like type out little notes so that it was easy to find later. But I, I think there's a lot to be said for, hey, I kind of remember there's a thing in that book uh, or it's either this book or that book and I'll just go back and look it up and hopefully find it. And the act of looking may end up sparking something else for you that you didn't expect to find. So this is really nice serendipity in the search. Yeah, yeah, because again, I think it's almost that, I think what it is is in a way, not only amassing this knowledge and um, being inspired, but it's flexing and strengthening and using that, dot connector uh skill yeah. like the more you do it the more easily you see the connections between things yes i'm both inspired to read more and also increasingly like horrified at how <laughs> 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 um, okay so what's what's your last d here uh the final one is read for descent uh as in where did we descend from um this one is about history 
knowing where we come from in, in the planning or marketing world. I think there's lots of foundational books um, from the planning world that um, still apply today. There are also books that we can read and go, oh, I see why that was done at that time. And I see or believe that it's not relevant anymore because of this, but it just starts some thinking and, and understanding. Uh, when we know our history, we can know what we want to repeat, what we don't want to repeat, what's worth keeping and what, what's worth throwing away. I'll throw out a couple of re references there just as examples. Um, so um, Hitting the Sweet Spot is by Lisa Fortini Campbell. And that was written, I think, in the early 90s. And that's like early consumer insight overlapping with brand insight uh, perspective, which is, which is good and still lots of it applicable. Polydon Planning and the JWT Planning Guide are both great historical reads of from the from the two people who created the discipline of planning. True Flies and Advertising is another really good one, uh, John Steele. And then books like Under the Radar, which are stories of agencies' origins. So Under the Radar is, is about the early days of uh Kirschenbaum and Bond, which is not Kirschenbaum and Bond anymore, but watching how they figured out as a scrappy little off the side of their desk startup to launch brands like Kenneth Cole, uh, just like really fascinating and, and inspiring. I love this list that you've created because I, I know there's there's um, you know there's some of the usual suspects, but some other ones as well that I uh, wasn't aware of. So that's um, terrific to have those. Um, so, so I don't know if you were to summarize this in a, in a pithy line, cause I'd like to put a quote in the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> saving me some, some time. Um, if you were to encapsulate how reading has powered your planning, what would you say? Well, I think I'd start with a caveat, which is that reading is one of many tools and techniques that we have at our disposal, but it's not a silver bullet. So don't just assume that you can read your way to planning excellence. I would say that along with having different experiences, doing different jobs, going out and talking to people, walking in other people's shoes and a bunch of other stuff, reading helps build your network of dots waiting to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, well, you know, we at the APG have been talking for a long time about doing some kind of a book review, regular Slack channel, mini podcast, something or other. So maybe we can twist your arm into doing something for us, but we'll chat more on that later. But um, really, really appreciate you taking the time um, to take us through this um, framework um, and inspire us uh, to, to do some more reading. And again, I just really like the... Um, the usefulness of it, because I feel like there are so many people who recommend different books and, you know, we all know the, these different ones that we should be reading. Um, but I, again, I was just inspired by the fact that you managed to weave it into your, your work. Well, thank you. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's proven for me to be really useful. And like we said at the top of the show, if, if it's not, if it doesn't get you excited, if it's not a thing you love, just find a different way, like build those dots in whatever way feels good and fun to you. 
Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thanks again, Jeff. It was great to catch up. Um, and I'm glad we had the chance to uh, hear more about your, your passion for reading. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.